Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like Ali Marmal, is about to be ejected. <laughs> my name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. I'm fired up today, Nate, just like <laughs> Me Ali. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm at home plate. I'm drawing lines in the dirt. I, when they mime it out, any man that is that is the that that is what you're looking for, right? That like is, when they are when they are showing you and pantomiming yes. what, yeah. I mean, it, an argument does not get better than uh, for me than that. It was magical. I've never been more proud of Ali Marmol as the Cardinal manager than when yes. he was screaming into home plate, drawing lines <laughs> in the dirt. <laughs> well, on uh, <laughs> in this week, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some injury updates and recent transactions. We're going to talk about some good news coming out of the pitching staff. We're going to talk about some adorable Budweiser cans and the firing of two Joes. If you have an idea for the opening joke, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Uh, let's just jump right back into it, Ben. Uh, Marmol, he's been a little heated this week. Uh, rightfully so. Rightfully yeah. so. I think the Cardinals, there, there's been some strike zone issues which happen. Um, and they seem to have clustered up in the past week since we last recorded. Um, I know there was a at least one pitch that was com- right down the middle um, that the umpires missed it actually went the Cardinals way, but the umpiring has been a little shoddy this week. Um, and I think we found where Ali Marmol's limit might be. And that is <laughs> his bullshit meter can only be so filled before he absolutely explodes. And yeah. like I, I already said it, I, I couldn't have been more behind him. I think it was well-timed. I think it was well-executed. I also think it was genuine. Sometimes you'll yeah. see managers come out and they're they're trying to do some rah-rah thing or they're trying to, you know, they'll go out there and say like, hey, toss me for this because I uh, got to get the team going or whatever. Yeah. But that, Ali was, that was, that was legit. That was, a, he was <laughs> mad. He was letting it be known. And I don't think he was at the point where he was thinking about the implications of his actions, which I for one yeah. appreciate. Well, he he chucked the iPad, which to me, <laughs> Ali Marmal always seems like a guy who respects company property. So right <laughs> out of the gates, you know, he, uh, he he's he's throwing the iPad, charging out on the field, and and you said it at the top, but I I I think I watched it like ten times. Just so funny, someone like staring at a home plate drawing lines in the dirt screaming at the umpire yes. from like 25 feet away giant hand motions it's it's what you really if you're gonna go go all the way scream at inanimate objects do lines in the dirt like go all the way and uh it was it was awesome and yeah i think it has been a frustrating week uh i mean Albert Pujols was uh, struck out on two strikes. Yeah. Now, obviously, that didn't actually happen. He was able to correct the umpire, but like, you know, that felt like kind of a culmination of a lot of bad calls. Uh, yeah, and it seemed like like the umpire must have been flustered after the whole dust up, and then like, yeah. but to still to lose track of the count, like you see that happen every once in a while, but. I can't remember the last time it happened yeah. in a game that I was watching. And then, of course, you know, I think just probably salt in the wound and the umpire was 
freaking out the fact that it was, you know, a inner circle hall of famer, like one <laughs> yeah. of the best players of all Albert time. Yeah. And the way that Albert turned around and flashed him the two strike sign, like that, you know, <laughs> if looks could kill, man, that was entertaining. Yeah. I mean, mistakes happen, you know, it's kind of like, to me, that's like when, a uh, you know, a baseball player miffs a, like a slow grounder right at them. Like there's that percentile chance you can mess up anything. Uh, but that is still a, it's a particular, it's like just counting. And also it's on the, on like four different screens of like right around you too. So it is pretty surprising when they mess it up that bad. Yeah. And I think, you know, that I'll give Ollie some credit too. I and by the way, I'm not being critical of him whatsoever, but give Ollie some credit. I think he's also, you know, when calls are going the wrong way, obviously the pitching staff and there's a certain point where they're a little depleted, a little overworked. I think that Ali might just be a little high strung right now and a little like, <laughs> why? Well, why must you do this to me? And, yeah. you know, we we saw, you know, exactly how that boils over. We already have to play five games at Wrigley right. Field. Like, is this, come on, like, I don't need to deal with bad officiating as well um you know i i I wonder if he was screaming like robots we (laughs) (laughs) i think you should be be replaced yeah at this point like i think if you really wanted to be an asshole to an umpire it'd be just like i can't wait for robots (laughs) because it certainly seems like some degree of that is coming and, and, you know, obviously we're talking about this through Cardinals colored glasses as always, but it's just seemed like it was on high leverage counts, bases loaded, count full, wide strike called or, or something like that. It, it just seemed to keep happening that way, at least a few times in that Cubs series. Like I I would have been thrown out, I think, like, and I, I don't think I'm a hyper confrontational person. Like, I think I would have gotten the boot on some of those calls. I think even Jim Edmonds was saying that he's like. I think he said something when uh, Edmund got called out on a very wide strike. Um, it's like, I don't think I would still be in here if that one was called on me. And Edmund, yeah. you know, being the consummate, you know, Stanford man or whatever the hell, uh, <laughs> put his head down and walked to the bench and kind of lightly shook his head in disagreement. But yeah, well, I think the players have gotten a little bit better at that, mostly because they are thrown out almost immediately for yeah. uh, arguing balls and strikes. But like it is the players especially someone who is a pretty important player on the team right now. Like you can't get thrown out for arguing balls and strikes, but if you are do it like Schwarber did when he was also, uh, yes. you know, <laughs> drawing lines in the dirt and, and screaming at home plate. So I, I uh, like the move of, you know, eat it, walk away. And then your next AB, you know, you've had a chance to go look at it on video or on the iPad and say, you know, that ball was outside, right? Yeah, just go subtle. You don't need to. You don't need to make a whole thing out of it. But let them know you know they're wrong. Well, the the twice now where um, the ball has been called foul, uh, like right what in the front hell? of hell. Yes, yeah. You know, Yachty is going back up there and being like, "Did you watch the replay in between innings?" Yeah, because like he's been right both times, and the umpire has been wrong both times about it. I don't understand how. So we'll talk about the one that happened last night off of Choi. The he drove it into the ground, bounced off the ground, went all the way to the first baseman. Paul Goldschmidt catches it, walks and steps on the bag. How in the hell would an umpire, first off, not see the direction of the ball change, not hear like hitting somebody's foot or their shin guard sounds a lot different than hitting the dirt. Um, Also, the ball traveled 90 plus feet and Choi (laughs) act like it didn't even hit him. 
So if that yeah. were the case, he would be on the ground rolling or at the very least limping. Um, just like the situational awareness, um, I think is the part that bugs me. And of course, like Yachty, you know, you're, you, you're, it's almost like you're a, a teacher and you have like the principal, like watching your class or something like that. You're not going yeah. to slip anything past him and he is going to call you out on it. Like, yeah, w- less than a second. He's just going to be all over you. Yeah. And, you know, that also highlighted to me some of the inconsistencies with what you can be, what can be reviewed uh, via replay. Like, I, I get some of it because of how, like, you can't predict how the field would have reacted once sure. the call was made and things like that. But for this one, especially considering, like, you know, the outcome when, of it. When the answer is binary, it either hit him or yeah. didn't. Like, yeah. there's no. There's no area for interpretation there. It either hit the guy or it didn't hit the guy. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's frustrating. So uh, all hail our future robot overlords. Uh, <laughs> Although I, I know the, you the, don't agree with that, but the Choi one that what this, you know, the robots aren't going to fix that. That's just a guy no. not paying attention. Or maybe yeah, well, I, I guess. Could you reasonably assume that if robot umps are happening, that the umps will have the ability to focus on things outside of solely the strike zone more like, is that a possible win for robot umps? I don't know. One thing that I have thought that might be kind of what you're talking about here is that, um, I, and I've not heard this actually talked about like in real discussion, but I, I feel like this is where it could go would be some sort of, um, attachment of sensors to the ball and attachment of sensors to like gloves and the base and things like that, where like, I think you could get to a point where we could have a connection where like when the ball hits the glove and if the first baseman's foot is on home or is on first base, you know, it like completes a a circuit and then it just measures when the runner's foot hit first base, you know, and you could like literally have like, down to the second based yeah. off of sensors. And then you'd have to have an umpire there for some degree of like, you know, ball control or, 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 or whatever it might be. But I, I feel like we could get to a point where there is this sort of connection between the, the tools of the game. Yeah. And I think with that, then you could have some sort of robot connection between like the ball and it connects with a person, you know, or right. like, connects with their jersey or whatever and so there's no longer it's someone's opinion whether it hit them but like the data says it hit this person (laughs) you know the data says it hit the ground and then rolled like you could have all of this i mean we have cameras now that are tracking in real time spin rate of a tiny ball from you know quite a distance right so like I think we could have these sorts of sensors, uh, especially if you start to think about technology inside the ball, inside the glove and inside the plates. Um, you know, yeah, I, I think, I, you know, I, I always know, go back to the, the tennis example. I don't watch as much tennis as I used to when I was younger, but they can get, they can track with their camera technology. They can track the weight, not only where the tennis ball hits, but the way that it like flexes and bounces off the ground and get within like a millimeter. If it touched a line, like, the fact that we're not using even that kind of technology is kind of crazy to me, but I also understand that all these reviews, people are fighting that. And I I'm even fighting that a little bit, you know, as, as a bit of a old school fan of, of the way it was, but I agree. I, I like, I, I think that's really interesting. Um, 
You should pitch that to Rob. <laughs> I'm, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, Actually, Rob let's Man- delete this section, start yeah. our baseball startup, and then sell this to them, get funded by MLB, and then then we'll go I from there. I have to imagine that I'm not the only one who's going. And it might even be in play somewhere. There's all these crazy leagues that are trying out different right. things. You know? Well, yeah, you say that, but PitchCom seems like a pretty like an advancement we probably could have handled in the 80s, and we're just <laughs> now seeing it. So I don't that's know. Baseball seems to drag their feet on these kinds of things. Yeah, and uh, the like those things must drain batteries like crazy, or like some uh, you know locker room guy is supposed to keep up the pitchcom stuff, and uh, they're not doing a great job. Every game I watch where someone has pitchcom, there's some sort of problem with it, uh, which is amazing. Like the fact I can control my Spotify from home. Uh, at work and change the volume and adjust like which channels it's playing to and and you know manipulate all these things like how can this company not have a good secure solution this is not that difficult uh well did you know the cardinals were the last team to use pitchcom i didn't know that but i'm not surprised and i will say like we're going to talk about the pitching later but seeing like Dak and Mikolaus uh, pitch with Pitchcom, those two guys who work, you know, who are working faster and making a point of it. The game screams when they're using it. I am yeah. all for it now that we've had, I don't know how many innings we've watched with it, but I think yeah. the biggest benefit is the way in which it speeds up the game. The pitcher being able to get the signal while they're not even, you know, they're not even fully set. They're not, they're not looking set. in. The, they, they, yeah. they can be looking at the, at the ground and get the sign and then go. I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's great. We talked a lot about like during one of the episodes, we talked about the like various sign stealing controversies and like sign stealing has existed since the invention of signs. And like, I think the only way to truly solve it is to get rid of signs, not yeah. come up with like, you know, whatever their other solutions are. And and this does that. Now, it'll be interesting to see if like, you know, I'm just imagining the Yankees with some sort of intercepting, uh, yeah. you know, like tiny little satellites all around the stadium, intercepting enemy pitch comms or something like that. You know, someone's going to definitely try that. Uh, but still, I, I think it's a it's a net gain. Like there is unless you are just truly like obsessed with every element of how the game used to be, including someone looking into the catcher and then putting on the fingers and all of that, you know. Unless for some reason you have a significant attachment to that, this system, even with its quirks, which I'm sure they will work out, uh, yeah, it is, it is, it is a significant improvement. Yeah, and I'll say I, I, I already said this. Like, I definitely fall into the old school fan or, or whatever the shouting at the clouds old man meme. But um, I'm a huge proponent of the pitch clock. I'm excited for that to be coming, and it seems yeah. like pitch clock plus pitch com is a match made in heaven, and that. You know, those two things together should speed up the game quite a bit. And again, you have no issue with like there. You have your time. It's 14 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever. If you have the pitch com, you don't have to worry about throwing down four sets of signs and then having to make yeah. sure that everyone's on the same page. You just hit curveball and you throw a curveball and only you and the catcher and the couple of the infielders. Now it, it it all is culminating into, I think, finally, like this is the change that baseball should be making to improve the game, not all this other little Man- Manfred pet projects. This yeah. is the thing that makes the most sense to me. Someone on one of the broadcasts, um, it might have been the national one, but it might have also been the local one. I, this is not helpful. Someone on one of the broadcasts said a human uh, being know, in the baseball yeah. sphere. 
Uh, also mentioned that some of the teams now are are thinking of different ways to use Pitchcom to communicate to their infielders and their pitcher at the same time for like setup plays as well. Um, you know, it's not it, it is, of course, way more effective for communicating what pitch to throw, but it's also just a way for the catcher, the infield and the pitcher to communicate with each other. And so some teams are starting to sort of expand that use and set up pickoff plays, set up. Yep defensive alignment set up different things and that seems like a, a cool new element to baseball that we might not have seen before if you've got like a secret language going just through people's hats that allow them to you know get someone in a rundown that wasn't expecting it or something like I, that like i think that's cool too uh, that seems like the natural progression and i also it, it feels like we can't be far off from just having a straight up intercom like even a two-way type thing yeah. in people's helmets you know or in in their hats and helmets really wherever. Uh, but yeah, it all favors and is speeding up the game. All like I, I cannot, I do not care about the intricacies yeah. of signs and flashing signs from the bench and just tell the people what you want to do. Don't let the team yeah. hear it. Use the system. Yeah. It makes all the sense. I want a, uh, microphone and I like a headset directly into the batter's helmet so they can hear me saying things like hey, batter, 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 hey, <laughs> batter, batter swing. You know, so th- this is you heckling your own player. We want a batter, not a broken ladder. That's good. Yeah, I think that would help. You're heckling your own players in this scenario, yes. though. Is that to be okay? Good. Um. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> okay. like, it would be fun if I could just route into the other team's uh, headset and yeah. heckle them, but if if all that I can get through is that I can heckle my own players. <laughs> I'm still going to have a good time. Maybe there's a, like a, like a high dollar seat in the stadium, you know, that like gets plugged into the network. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. <laughs> well, uh, I'll include that in our pitch to Manfred for our uh, other idea. I think he'll, he'd be all over that. Well, Oh, and it streams exclusively on, uh, fucking Paramount plus Disney Disney plus yeah. <laughs> you know it's the Disney plus seat of the game that you know <laughs> if you subscribe to Disney plus and Hulu you get to connect directly into the headsets of the infield of course brought to you by Energizer batteries yes all right well let's talk about some other uh some other topics yeah. um lots well, of, yeah, lots one, of- one, one other thing I just wanted to I, I cannot wait for the the next science dealing uh, like uh, controversy where somebody is somehow breaking, broken the wireless protocol and is just straight up stealing the signal like that is going to happen at some point. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think the Yankees are probably already working on it. Yeah. yeah, Hacking the mainframe. (laughs) You get it. (laughs) They didn't notice we put uh, they're, they're wearing the wrong hat. They're actually wearing (laughs) our hat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> got him uh and somehow there'll still be trash cans um all right so new a uh, bunch of updates uh this week um you know the last month we've seen a a surge in in injuries but uh things are starting to come back um you know for better or worse the cardinals have been playing maybe the best ball they've played all season in the last like three weeks uh despite all these injuries but i think we all can agree that 
you know, objectively, it's a good thing that someone like Tyler O'Neill is back with the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, Tyler O'Neill coming back to any team in the big leagues would be a big thing, you know, a good yeah. thing for them. But uh, yeah, like only 18 games. But how long did that feel? That felt like forever to me. Yeah, um, it missing really out on Ty Ty. Uh, great to have him back. Two hits in his first game back. He was crushing down in uh, his rehab assignment. So that was really exciting. Um, I know we saw, you know, it seems like he was a little in between towards the end of the game last night. Um, you know, we're recording here on Wednesday on Tuesday night's game against the Rays. Uh, it seemed like he was sitting off speed and couldn't catch up to the fastball. That's okay, though. I thought, you know, him just getting back, getting his legs, you know, moving and, and at a major league ballpark is great. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of there's a really interesting kind of intersection of super young guys and super old guys on the Cardinals. And if, you know, you can fill those in with people like Harrison and uh, people like Tyler, you know, you kind of have those prime guys, the guys are in the prime of their career too. It, it definitely feels like there's a little bit of magic with these kids and and the old guys performing well. And I don't know, it's, it's uh, yeah, but I, I guess to kind of circle back, how good is it to have Tyler Peck? Well, when you consider the alternative has mostly been like, you know, we've been getting a lot of left field Corey Dickerson. Right. Uh, And so like, even though O'Neill had not necessarily been playing very well for most of the season, I think we'll all take the upside of what O'Neill could return to. And like you said, he he looked generally pretty good last night. Hit the ball hard. Um, We'll take that defense. Yeah every day and you know just hope that he he can figure it out which i think we're all pretty confident he can you know this it, it i think we'd all kind of hoped that like 2021 tyler o'neill you know he kind of he's locked in and that's just the player we're gonna have going forward um and because you know there was there's an argument to be made for that every year he'd been getting a little bit better yeah a little bit better and then it finally culminated in in what it was last year and i was like all right he's he's there I think now we see that like his approach is a pretty delicate balance and it doesn't take much for him to be off. And, you know, that's what we're seeing or what at least we saw in the first month of the uh, first month and a half of the season. Um, but hopefully the time away and the time in the minors has reset him and we can get back to uh, peak Tyler O'Neill because there's not really a more fun player on the team than when Tyler O'Neill is crushing uh you know Bader will give him a run for his money on just like the yep. most fun to watch playing but um there's something about the the Tyler O'Neill moonshots and just his overall demeanor you know tiny Mr. Canada that like is is uh <laughs> so fun and funny to watch yeah the way he goes about it the whole thing I yeah. agree with you and I, and I think like it probably is good for Cardinals fans to like place their expectations somewhere in between what we saw before the injury and what we saw last year. Like the guy, I I think, you know, you shouldn't be surprised in knowing that this kind of play style is like you said, a delicate balance and prone to somebody who's probably going to go on a streak where he is the best player in baseball for a week or three or four or something like that. And then he might go into a slump. Um, But I think, you know, we're kind of talking about this. It was really about the week before uh, his injury, he started to really crater. But even before that was happening, we we hit on this. His peripherals were looking good. His ball like contact was really solid. He was hitting the crap out of the ball. He had the high or the hardest hit, you know, uh, peripheral numbers on the team. Now Paul Goldschmidt has overtaken him since then. <laughs> but at the time, you know, you could argue that he was getting unlucky, and that's also, you know, that that's how baseball go. Um, right. 
as it's been said. So I think there was some doom and gloom that was probably a little over dramatic from a lot of the folks and, and probably even from us. And I, I have all the faith in him and and I'm sure he'll he'll come out here and, and just start pounding the ball. Well, and if the rest of the team keeps playing like they have, or at least the majority of the team keeps playing like they have, you know, he'll have some space to recover. His issues looked a lot worse when he was batting fourth and also Arenado was struggling at the beginning right. of May. Uh, also, Edmund was starting to come back to earth. Also, Bader was full of swing and miss and Carlson was full of swing and miss. You know, it's like we have room on this team, especially with how they're performing now to have guys sort of come in and out of production. Right. Um, but when who should have been, you know, when your top three guys is really struggling, it 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 really stands out, you know, so. Uh, yeah, I, I, like you said, I think there's a lot to look forward to. There's a lot that can sort of, um, not explain away, but at least explain some of the struggles that he had at the beginning of the season and how easily that could turn around, uh, some of his underlying numbers. So we'll see again, he looked good last night. Hopefully it continues and we get that dream scenario of a, of a red hot Goldie Arenado and O'Neill all at the same time. Uh, you know, um, we got some good news on, uh, Jack Flaherty as we continue the discussion of good news stuff. Uh, you know, Flaherty is in a rehab assignment and by all accounts, feeling good, looking good. Um, we saw a, a tweet saying that he hit 98, uh, once yeah. or twice in those three innings that he had, uh, three innings didn't allow a hit, no earned runs, of course, no walks, three K's obviously against weaker, weaker weaker competition but the fact that he his velo was there and he didn't walk anybody i mean what else are you do you take from a little yeah. spot tune-up start um in the lower minors pretty exciting yeah and we're going to talk about the pitching staff in general here in a moment but like you know tyler o'neill coming back is fun and you can never have a shortage of gold glove and mvp quality uh at bats but like i think we all agree that like a healthy Jack Flaherty is like the single most impactful yes. return the team could have by a mile <laughs> right now. Yeah. You know, with, it, <laughs> with, uh, Alex Reyes on the outs, like just not, he's not going to contribute this year because of injury and the surgeries and all that stuff. Like he, Jack Flaherty is the linchpin. He is the guy. He is the most yeah. important person on this team right now. I would argue, um, as far as like changing the, the direction that the team is going in, like a, a Jack Flaherty that gives the, these Cardinals 140 innings of what we think Jack Flaherty is capable of. Like you're talking about going from kind of, you know, just being a half game behind the Brewers to being a, in a pretty commanding position in the central, I would say. And, and I think, you know, with the offensive production that we've enjoyed so far in the first couple of months, like putting a Jack Flaherty on this team is, I'm not saying best team in the league or anything like that, but they're in the top third or whatever you want to call it, I think pretty easily. I think given the current standings, given the current strength of schedule remaining for the rest of the season, um, a healthy Jack Flaherty, who's also performing because even though he's been healthy at times, he's also not, you know, he's had ups and downs in his performance, but a healthy, very effective Jack Flaherty. I do think you could say the Cardinals are the favorite for the central. There's a lot of ifs there, you know, but um, I, you know, I think, there's a lot of reasons why you, you know you could support that that thought as well. So we'll see. He's 
you know, likely going to get a start in the big leagues, assuming no, no setbacks, knock on all of the wood in the universe. Um, <laughs> you know, we should see soon. And, you know, like most guys, I'm not expecting his first start to necessarily be, you know, an immediate return to form, but just having him back, uh, will I be, I think I'm going to go run through a nearby forest and just start punching trees. <laughs> this is for Jack. This is for Jack. <laughs> oh, Ben, don't punch us. Whop. Um, so on some less fun, but significantly less impactful, uh, yeah. you know, transaction and injury news, uh, Corey Dickerson has found himself on the, on the 10 day IL, um, he, he after hit, hit two dingers and then yeah. knocked himself out. <laughs> yeah. It's all he had in him. Yeah. He, he, you know, and one of those was off of like a 35 mile per hour EFIS pitch <laughs> in the in the top of the ninth. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he goes on the 10 day IL calf strain. It doesn't look like it's that bad. Dylan Carlson's also rehabbing right now and uh, seems to be playing quite well. If Dylan comes back before Corey, where's, does Corey come back on the team? Like what? What who who gets I, moved down? Because you can't move down Brendan. No, um, I would be shocked actually if they moved down Brendan Donovan. No, you, I don't. I think you can't the, move down the, Gorman. That's the big question coming up: is where do you play Brendan Donovan? Because he needs to play like every day, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe Yepes who has cooled off a little bit, but I'd still give Yepes every at bat that Dickerson would get. Uh, you know, a hundred percent of the time I'd rather have Yepes take those at bats. Yeah. And it seems like the Cardinals have kind of settled into, they're definitely sitting, uh, Gorman against lefties, which, you know, I will say I was kind of arguing against that. And then I saw him, he had an at bat against a lefty in the Cubs series yeah. and man, it looked really bad. That was, yeah. uh, if you remember the play where he swung, missed the, uh, ball got past the, uh, Wilson Contreras and, Gorman didn't notice it right away, so it didn't run to first in time and probably would have been safe if he did. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. You know, what are you going to do? It's hard to see the ball when that kind of thing happens. But the is <laughs> you never like to swing and miss at a ball that the catcher has a hard time uh, yeah. <laughs> catching. <laughs> yeah, that was really bad um, and didn't look great. And, you know, like we'll talk about Gorman later, too. But like, you know, the profile works against the right-handed pitchers. There's a lot of right-handed pitchers in Major League Baseball. That's fine. But if the Cardinals get into some type of cadence of him, uh, Gorman starting against at second or at DH against righties, Yepes getting the DH start uh, when Gorman is playing second base, and then Donovan picking up. The, I mean, obviously, the good news is that he can play every position on the field other than catcher and center field and probably could play center field. Although, I don't, you know, you'd have to imagine that Carlson is probably a better uh spot starter in All there three then. of the outfielders i think you'd still put over him uh yeah. assuming you know o'neill bader and carlson would all go in center before donovan but you're right i mean he probably could hell he could probably catch if they yeah. needed him to yeah and he, he'd he just be like oh i guess i need another glove skip um Let me grow three his... more inches of my hair and yeah. uh, get me behind the plate but I, I think just the, you know, how dynamic he can be and the fact that he can play every position, like there will be starts. Everybody needs days off. Uh, yeah. Tyler, Dylan uh, included, Harrison included, and then all all four spots on the infield um, as well. So I think those starts are going to come. Um, where exactly? I don't know. Maybe somebody will get hurt. This stuff always seems to work itself out. Um, and I, I guess kind of getting back, like 
does it make sense against lefty starters? You're going to have Donovan starting at second base and then Yepes or, or Pujols in the DH position. That's it probably looks something like that. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. then where's Dickerson? Uh, yeah. Where's nowhere, Dickerson go? Right? I don't, he doesn't have a spot on this team anymore. Yeah. It almost makes me like, I think the injury was legit, but it almost makes me think the IL thing was maybe, I don't think there's like, uh, you know, like, uh, they're, they're, tricking us or anything like that but yeah. it almost makes me think oh can we have another week and a half to think about what the hell to, we're going to do here and teams do that obviously yeah. you know we know they do that yeah i'm imagining like mazalak subterfuge was the word i was looking for nice yeah he's like hey hey Corey, like great game how you feeling and he's like oh you know it's a lo- long game um you know i'm a little sore in my right leg and mazalak's like Ooh, okay. We're gonna need to get. We can't have you hurt. We're gonna have to get you on the IL. Uh, get him out of here. Get him on the IL. O'Neill's back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, we also like. I think it. It. it I don't know what to think because I would have said the s- same thing about TJ McFarland a week and a half ago, and he's still kind of kicking around. So yeah, I don't yeah. know, but. Dickerson well, your last like, guy yeah, yeah, no. in your bullpen I, I, is such a distinct use case than the last guy on your, uh, like on your bench, you know. And, and and how do you argue that Corey Dickerson deserves abs over any of the kids? Yeah, I don't think you can, especially with how good Donovan has been and what we've seen from Yepes. And I like the only argument would be is if they really decide one of these guys the best thing is for them to be playing almost every day. And they're like, and they want to do that thing where they send them down to triple A. So they get every day at bats, but I don't see that being the case for anyone. None of these guys are struggling in such a way that like that common narrative comes through. Um, I mean, again, you know, Yepes has cooled off a little bit. Maybe they say that with him, like get him down there so he can play every day. But like, still, I don't, I don't think that, really makes sense and well, it's not like dickerson's on some crazy contract that and also he is still hitting below 200 yeah there's what are you gaining yeah so i wouldn't be surprised if it's exactly what you said it, they he's on the il you know to to kick the can down the road a little bit see if uh tyler stays healthy and if carlson comes back healthy and assuming no issues uh you know i think they cut uh, Dickerson and move on, yeah. especially when you consider Alec Burleson is crushing it down in the minors too. So you got another guy that like fits that profile. So except for, uh, yeah, he's younger and better and cheaper. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like he can, yeah. you know, he'll play outfield positions, you know? Yep. So, all right. Um, well, uh, with that, we also want to, you know, give a, a fond, uh, farewell to Kramer Robertson. We barely, we barely <laughs> knew ye. Um, you know, yeah. congrats on your big league debut at the St. Louis Cardinals. Seemed like a great guy. What a fun sure. little moment that was when he got called up. But yeah. um, you know, good hair. He has, he's got good flow. Yeah, uh, he's been claimed by uh, he's been claimed on waivers uh, by the Braves. So can't Bye. wait for him to hit thirty home runs next year. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to usurp Dansby Swanson and, and take him <laughs> to the World Series somehow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess not much to say about that. Just a, a you know, a transaction. Don't um, expect Kramer Robinson on the Cardinals anytime soon. Yeah. 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 Um, but hey, you know, speaking of 
of infielders and um, you know their path through the through the majors. Uh, ben, you you did a little bit of digging on Gorman, um, and you have some interesting stats to share. So well, it's, you know how much I love saying one of the Cardinals players and and something that they're doing well, and then throwing out some really gaudy names next to it, right? And this is just oh, yeah. an example of that. Um, so fun Gorman note, uh, left-handed, uh, batters with the highest rate of hard hit, uh, line drive fly balls since Gorman's debut. So again, not, not too long, small sample size. He came up May the 20th. Um, but he is leading that, uh, that category right now with a 46.4%, uh, hard hit on line drive fly balls since he's come up. Uh, he is above names like Joey Votto, Kyle Schwarber, Jordan Alvarez, who just got a big extension in his we were, Nate and I were talking about him off mic before we started recording and just a fantastic player. He good. And Bryce Harper. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we were talking about obviously Gorman is being protected against lefties a little bit. And that, you know, I think that rollout has been a little different than maybe we all expected, or at least I expected, but man, oh man, how exciting is that? He, when he hits them, they go. Dude, that like, home run against the Cubs. Uh, I mean, that was like a dead center pitch that he just, Every bit of it. I mean, that was so much fun. Yeah, there, there. We've talked about this before, but there's something about reading the prospect notes. You see the, the, you know, the 70 grade raw power and blah blah blah. But then you see it in a big league game, and it's just so exciting. And and the Cardinals, you know, they have obviously like Goldie hits the ball hard, and there's uh, Yepes hits the ball hard, but Gorman's got a different level to it. Um, and you know, those numbers that I just quoted kind of point that out. But he's yeah, he's so fun. since. Since he's been in the league, he has been the best at uh, hard hit percentage on uh, line drive and fly ball. So, like, you can't do much better than that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> There's what not a level above this, him, and yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and you know, like those those names are those aren't cheapies. Those are some of the best players in baseball. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe Schwarber is the only name in there that's kind of like, eh. but. Uh, Jordan uh, Harper and Votto are all pretty good. Also, Votto has like totally turned his season around and is starting whacking balls again, which baseball's better with uh, Votto being good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Votto. He's like, yeah, I woke up this morning and decided maybe I should hit the ball really well. And, <laughs> and, and there he goes. I love Votto. Did you see his just recently? It was a 20 year like anniversary of when he signed with the Reds. And so he's oh, wow. posting all these pictures uh of like signing day you know and it's like a baby vado and also it's like man even camera quality just 20 years ago was so bad compared to what we're used to now it's like looks like a picture from the 80s of (laughs) vado signing this contract and it's like no that was just the early 2000s yeah oh even when they show some of these like wayno and yachty highlights and pools highlights you're like what era was this done like was somebody yeah. filming this on a potato <laughs> <laughs> uh, i know we're both huge fans of um of uh, uh the baseball documentary ken burns ken burns yeah. baseball you know and you can see that like progression of camera quality and it's like not even really till like the two, 2010s that it becomes similar to what we're used to today, which is the like high def, you know, high quality. Uh, uh, I can't watch a game if it's not in 4k, Nate. Oh my God. I can't watch a game <laughs> unless I'm plugged directly into my TV with my, uh, <laughs> I've got my Oculus rift, uh, VR headset on one eye and my PSVR headset on my other. Oh eye. God. Um, I'm in the metaverse now, you know, what would be cool, and maybe they're working on this, but if you could do a VR headset and if you could just be like, I'd like to watch the game from third base. 
I'd mm. like to watch the game from the pitcher's mound. That they should figure that out. I don't know how the hell they would do that, but I don't know. Apple could figure that out. If you have I enough would, cameras, I would pay money for that. Yeah, if you have enough cameras, I think that seems super realistic to me. You know, with the amount of um, imaging they're able to make, if you can basically create that, um, they're already doing crazy VR meetup stuff. You know, uh, that would be cool. I, you know, I, I would, I could see them doing that. I could also see them being very protective of like the in-game experience, you know, and yeah, maybe it'd be something where you still have to pay like a, 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 uh, like a ticket price or something. I'm less on board then. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you get to go up and whisper in the pitcher's ear through their pitch com. <laughs> Curveball curveball give give me the ball <laughs> that would be wild if they just it was like total free reign where you could just walk around on the field like as it's happening saying that would be incredible like squatting down next to yachty or standing in the batter's box without pool holes or something like that that would be incredible yeah, yeah. get at man we are full of ideas yeah on this yeah episode. we're gonna have to shelve this episode sorry i know um all right well what else do we want to talk about i guess uh, let's talk a little bit more about the pitching staff. Uh, interesting week for pitching. Um, I mean, anytime you have five games in four days at Wrigley, uh, wind blowing out, you know, you're expecting, uh, you know, some, some needs arising from the, from the pitching staff. And, uh, we had no shortage of interesting outcomes. I think first of all, um, probably the biggest story of the whole thing, at least to me was the, um, Cardinals calling up Zach Thompson. Yeah. Uh, you know, he has had a range of placements on Cardinal prospect lists that at times he looked like he was the next, uh, you know, top Cardinal pitching prospect. He had a little bit of a rough 2021 that really lowered a lot of his uh, rankings, a lot of the expectations. Um, but he came back in 2022 looking really good. Uh, if you just look at his baseline numbers, ERA, things like that, you might not be particularly impressed, but all of the underlying numbers look great. And, uh, you know, it earned him a call up, I think a lot sooner than, you know, I guess you're saying that for pretty much all of the prospects as the Cardinals continue to dump their farm into the major leagues. But, uh, I truly, even more than Libertor, like I did not expect this. We always knew Libertor was pretty close to being like next man up. But I, I really didn't think we'd get Thompson uh, in this at all. Yeah, and I think the Cardinals chose a perfect spot. You know, like Nate said, I, I think also a lot of credit where credit is due. Ali and the staff, and I'll give Mo and Gersh some credit for getting the right guys in the right spot and kind of setting guys up for success and and making you know a very tattered pitching group look really good in five games. You know, it was it was patchwork and it was slapped together, but it, they look good. Um, but yeah, I think you know, like Zach Thompson came in in that blowout. Well, the game became a blowout. Um, and, and the really the headline for me was uh, 97 on the inside corner and right-handed hitters. He just yeah. kept being able to hit that spot on the, the top of the strike zone, middle and, and lower half, and was pounding, I mean, high 90s from the left-handed side um, in on those righties. And then everything else just kind of fell into place after that. You know, it took him a second to settle in. The first inning was a little bit rough, but you just saw him being able to hit that spot over and over again. And, you know, that's... I, that could be a whole career right there. If you could make that pitch with consistency, you're going to be a good major league, play, you know, player for quite a while. That's kind of Stephen Matt's whole game. 
Um, yeah. Although I think, you know, uh, obviously Thompson's got a little more life on that fastball and that seemed to be playing up really well. Um, but yeah, what, what else do you say? The guy came in, he was a little shaky in the first inning, had three more innings, looked fantastic. And the stuff was not what I expected. It was, it yeah. was plus stuff. Um, yeah, I'm excited about him. He got a save in his big league uh, debut. I love oh, the working man save. save too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm excited, and you know, I wouldn't surprise if he doesn't get a ton more opportunity in the near future as guys like Flaherty come back. But like, what a good uh, you know piece to have in the wings if needed. Um, but uh, four innings, you know, four innings were wild this week. We had uh, probably. I, the Zach Thompson was definitely the most unexpected because yeah. of like the F, you know, the, the need to call up a guy, you know, select his contract, all that stuff, you know, just, you never expect that to be the thing that they go to, but arguably more unexpected than that was Ennis Cabrera going four innings yeah, uh, in one of these games and looking good throughout, you know, he is someone that I think we're both big fans of. He's been a, impact player for the Cardinals for a while now, but it's always really felt to me like, all right, every inning is, is like you, there's just the chance of the blow up, you know, the, the, he's going to walk someone, he's going to hit someone and everything's going to fall apart and they're going to have to pull him out. Um, I don't know what, I didn't do any data to back that up, but you know, anecdotally he, it's like, he's either super effective or he's not, and every inning is yeah. like rolling that dice, right? Yeah, we, uh, Mary and I just watched uh, the Mighty Ducks one the other night, and uh, I, do you remember Fulton Reed, the guy that he would the slap shot was so hard that he would knock the goalie back into the goal? Yes, Genesis Genesis Cabrera is Fulton Reed. He's either it's one <laughs> out of five. He looks great. I think that's the Fulton Reed rule. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just, I've rewatched Knuckle that. puck. That's Mighty Ducks 2, you idiot. <laughs> I know. Um, Keenan, shout out Keenan. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he looked he looked fantastic. And he was kind of fighting in the first inning and then kind of settled in. And to the point, like he threw more pitches than he's ever thrown in a major league game to the point where I'm thinking, okay, is this desperation move? How did they get him ready for this? Has he been lengthening out without us knowing? Is he a potential spot starter down the road. You know, he came up, we traded for him when uh, he was a starter. Is that something that's going to happen to Hennessy's Cabrera? But like, I know it's only four innings, but it was fantastic. And it could not have come at a better time. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was necessary. I could not believe each time he kept coming back out. I couldn't believe it though. And uh, yeah, he well, performed apparently, amazing. Apparently he told Ali Marmal before the game, like I've got four in me tonight for you. And I well, love that. The shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. Ali Marmol's like, all right, see what you got, big, brother, big dog, go out and eat. Oof, oof. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe this is the start of a new version of Cabrera. Um, more innings. I mean, is, you can get 98, good. you know, for multiple innings out of the, you know, left, left hand side of the bullpen. Like, yeah, I'll take that. that. That's a highly, highly valuable player. That's Andrew yeah. Miller, you know? Right. Uh, one last four inning story, uh, Palante four inning start, uh, you know, continued to do what he's been doing. Yeah. You know, four walks, which, you know, was less than ideal, but, uh, I think, you know, if there was pick out a, a nice headline is that he, uh, kept the cards in the game and that fastball looks to be legit. He was hitting high nineties the whole time and people were not catching up with it. That thing must have crazy rise on it or something like the spin uh, on that must be out of control because he's making 
a lot of hitters look very stupid and just pumping fastballs. Uh, and then the curveball was obviously looking good, but the main, the main uh, weapon he was using was that fastball. And that's pretty exciting when a young guy can come up and just throw heat and, and get a lot of guys out like that. Yeah. Um, and as we said, the Cardinals needed every inning, uh, this series that they could get. And it was coming from all sorts of places, uh, including, uh, they got a huge chunk of innings, um, from Dakota Hudson. Um, I know, uh, at least in my talking Dak HUD, um, (laughs) at the beginning when we did our little, uh, we did our, our, um, like bold predictions for the season. Yeah. And uh, your bold prediction was Miles Michaelis was going to step up and be the best pitcher on the Cardinals. And, you know, so far uh, you've been, you know, leading as far as that uh, as that bold prediction goes. And mine was Dakota Hudson would step up and be, um, you know, the best pitcher on the Cardinals this year. And uh, I'd been trailing pretty, pretty far behind you on that uh, on that gamble. Um, but recently, Dakota Hudson's been really looking good. Uh, a couple of seven inning starts, which obviously the Cardinals need. Yeah, I mean, I think Dax made a huge adjustment uh, in the past two starts, and I think you know that's it's twofold looking at what he's been doing, and it, you know it's only fourteen innings, but it is a significant change. Um, first off, he stopped walking dudes. Um, that alone is going to help every single pitcher in the big leagues, obviously. Um, but what I think is more interesting is the emergence of the Dax slider. Um, guess what? Uh, it's super nasty and people cannot <laughs> hit it. Um, so he has been using that a lot more during his last start, the, uh, start against the Rays that happened last night, uh, as we're recording, uh, he threw that slider more than he threw the slink, the sinker, which is, I, I don't have this number in front of me. I should have looked this up. I would wager that that's never happened. Uh, now it only happened by a couple. It was, I think he threw 31 sinkers and like 33 sliders or something like that. But that's a huge adjustment for somebody who has traditionally just pump seekers and then kind of thrown some, some, uh, some, uh, uh, breaking balls and some off speed stuff and mix it in. But, you know, to speak to, to kind of dwell on the game that just happened, he was throwing that slider over and over again. Uh, and the Rays whiffed on it 35%. Um, which is huge. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of curious. So I was like, okay, the slider is playing really well over the last two games. And I just thought, let's go take a look at fan graphs. Love our, you know, shout out fan graphs with all their graphs uh, for fans, which are fantastic. Um, Arguably I, the best part about fan graphs <laughs> is all of their graphs for fans. And I, you know, something I like to go to, especially when you see performance like this, is I like to go to the pitch value. And the pitch values are effectively the ERA of a pitch level measurement um, above average pitch value in a given season equals above average pitch. Uh, and really, what it's it's kind of tries to quantify an ERA for a pitch, and it, it quantifies it in a number. Um, and I don't know if it, that is all important. Um, and I guess look into that more if you want to. We don't need to break that down too much. But anyways, I go to look at these you know, best sliders since the beginning of the month. And Dak has the number one slider in baseball, not in the Cardinals, not in National League, in baseball. And it's not even close. Dak slider has a pitch value of 4.3. And the second best slider in baseball over that limited time, of course, is Justin Verlander at 2.3. So that's almost double the value. And, you know, obviously we know what Justin Verlander brings to the table. And I am by no means saying that that is where that's going to stay or anything like that. Yeah. Really, what I want to call out is just Dak has made a very significant 
um, and a, a very obvious change to his repertoire and kind of how he's going about his starts. And that slider has gone from kind of a pitch that was on the peripheral. He was, you know, sinker, sinker, sinker to becoming his best pitch. One of the most effective pitches in baseball. And I think for Cardinals fans, that's something that we should really key into every time he starts going forward is how's that slider playing? Um, is it tunneling well with the sinker and how, you know, it, it's obviously been effective early. How's it going to keep playing out? Yeah. A, a return from major injury and a, a repertoire change is, you know, kind of a recipe for like the, the Dakota Hudson that we knew before may not be what we're seeing now. Right. He's, right. he's going into a new version of himself. Uh, I would be interested. I don't know what the, like, you know, that, that, metric is measuring the effectiveness of the slider but i'm assuming it's also taking into consideration um or really all you have is it's against the people that it was thrown against too it, you it know is how the individual batters are performing against that individual pitch yeah, yeah. so it's like the, you know a lot of that's against the cubs who have a pretty bad lineup so like it's probably going to be inflated a little bit because of the uh, the opponents that the team that he's playing um but i mean again still you you can't control who you're playing against. Uh, right. All you can control is what you are doing in those games. And same with what we said with Gorman. Uh, yeah, it's a small sample size, but uh, it's still you would definitely take the uh, best in baseball uh, <laughs> outcome in a small sample size than any other one. So, yeah, uh, you know, I was, as I was kind of looking into that, I was curious if there's anything else like is there a spin rate spike or anything like that? Is is there anything else to look for? And, and really, no. Um, there, you know, I look back at the spin rate of his 2019 uh, slider, and it's pretty much in line. It, it seems to just be that he is using it more. And I think the only other thing to really point out about it that I found interesting is that he throw he is in like the 90th percentile of velo- velocity for the slider. He throws his slider really hard. Um, hmm. I think it maxed out in that raise game at 92 miles per hour uh which yeah that's that's basically a sweeping cutter uh, you know yeah. at that point coming in at 92 and, and breaking like it did so you know that that's the one thing to kind of point out is you know it's hard which maybe fits well you know the the sinker kind of goes towards the right-handed pitcher and the uh, slider goes towards the left-handed hitter um you know those I, I see those pairing up well but like i said pretty cool and i don't know i'm gonna that, that'll be something i'm i'm really locking into in future dac hud starts yeah yeah well, great reporting, Ben. Uh, definitely something for us to uh, continue to monitor. Um, <laughs> why you sounded condescending, even though it was, <laughs> I think it was a compliment. But sure, yeah. Um, well, we've got a lot uh, more stuff to talk about. Um, but before we get into the the back quarter of the show, we want to remind everybody that this show is supported on Patreon. If you enjoy the show, want to support us, support its growth, and become a super cool member of the bird scored our private discord server consider contributing to our patreon you can find that at patreon.com slash talking about birds shout out to all of our existing patreons and to all of those who are considering joining it we'd love to have you uh if you want to support the show in other ways consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcast platform uh it really helps and they're fun they make us feel good uh Ben, where can people find us online? Yeah, make sure to give us a little follow on Twitter. Talk about birds on Twitter. Again, at talk about birds on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at talking about birds. Um, decided to use two different handles um, for those socials. So good luck figuring that out on your own. 
Um, per usual, if you have any questions for us, comments, concerns, questions about Nate's personal life, he's currently refinishing his basement. He's going to have a man cave or whatever he's going to call <laughs> I'm not it. Gonna I, think, have. <laughs> I think he said he's going to get one of those those signs that says man cave on it. Yeah, um, it's for sure. And like, you know, um, like a Budweiser neon <laughs> sign. Uh, I, I imagine you smoking a cigar in the basement by yourself and the only light on is a lava lamp. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know. And you have your you, dark thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come. I'm in my dark meditation. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to talk to Nate about that kind of stuff that he's clearly <laughs> very passionate about, email us questions or thoughts, concerns, anything at uh, talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Um, what a other than that, awkward uh, combination of of <laughs> of features, a lava lamp and cigar smoking. Yeah, I just think that's your vibe. Thank you. Don't you know, don't fight against it. Just you know, um, let let natural things, you know, happen. You don't you don't need mm-hmm. to fight against your 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 ways. My evil machinations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, speaking of evil machinations, yeah. um, Budweiser had some machinations <laughs> of their own. <laughs> Not much These to are- say on this, but I think we just, you know, we'll take any chance we can to, uh, to um, share in the bromance that is Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright. So I, I- yeah, so to be clear, Budweiser is doing a whole ad campaign about Yachty and Wayno, 17 years together, championships, gold gloves, all the starts, all the records and everything that they're doing right now. Um, and the commercial so cute, I, it brought a little tear to my eye, I think a little yeah. little evil tear, uh, you know, showing all the highlights of the 17 years of them playing together. But I think the the standout for me was, you know, all the baseball stuff is good and everything like that. But the way the commercial spot ends is just those two kind of chit-chatting over a couple of Budweiser's and then they do a clink and a smile. And yeah. it's, I just love it. And I hope, uh, I, I want to, I like, I'm going to go, it's, I'm a sucker for this kind of thing. Like I'm going to go buy those limited edition cans and I'll probably like put some on my, uh, yeah. little like wall of uh, baseball memorabilia. That's a little off camera here, but, uh, I, I, I love it. I think it's adorable. Keep doing it. Give me more of it. Um, and yeah. I want to drink buds with my buds. I mean, we are, you know, very fortunate to to have been a part of, you know, watching this entire their entire careers together. And I um, consider you know, myself to be directly a part of it. Like, yeah. I, I feel like I'm in the relationship with them. Yeah, I think if I believe firmly that if it weren't for me, none of this would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's adorable. Watch the video. It's yeah. great. Um. Well, uh, speaking of honoring, uh, man, I'm killing it with segues today. Speaking really of honoring uh, Yachty, uh, everyone's favorite baseball player, Manny Machado, uh, <laughs> actually had a, I think, a, a great point. And uh, I think all of Cardinal Nation is in agreement with Manny Machado on this one. Uh, ben, do you want to read the the full quote here? Yeah, I'll read. I, I have an edited version of the quote, which I found a little bit funnier. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to read what Manny said. Uh, this was, I think this came out yesterday. It's kind of bovine dung that teams are not giving him a farewell tour. Machado stated, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that right now. Why Albert has been the best player in our generation to ever play this game and to see him going or doing the things he's doing. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's freaking special that St. Louis gave him the opportunity to come back and finish off his career as a Cardinal. 
And, and really what it came down to is where's where's the hurrah? Where's the parade? Where is the, you know, the chair made of broken bats that Mariano Rivera got? Like, is yeah. this small market? Is this is Pujols maybe not as beloved as one might think? I, I don't fully understand why it's not happening yeah. um, because he is like. Albert Pujols, you know, if we're going to compare it one to one to the other players who have gotten, you know, a, a nice send off, like Albert Pujols is better than Derek Jeter and Mariana. Uh, 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 oh, my God, my brain. Mariana Rivera. Rivera. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can't even remember the guy's name. Yeah. Um, and I would actually I'm just making this up off the top of my head. I would imagine those two players war totals combined are probably close to Albert Pujols. That might be yeah. hyper hyperbolic, but I bet it's I, close. I think you might be right. We can look that up while we, while we talk, but um, yeah, I, so I have a, a couple of theories on it. Yeah. Um, and I, first of all, I agree with Manny Machado. Um, what I, what I don't remember, I remember a lot of these farewell tour stuff. Um, and I thought it was really fun for those, for those guys. Um, but I was thinking, you know, there's two factors here. One is that, uh, and probably predominantly, he has spent the last 10 years not playing in the National League. Right. So what you saw on like Rivera and Jeter's farewell tours was a lot of these teams that like he beat up on these two guys have beat up on for like 20 years. You know, like the Twins did something. Um, I think the Red Sox did something. You know, these teams that they play all the time. Um, but a lot of these NL central teams or even just NL teams, especially because of, you know, the angels like never making it deep into the playoffs outside of interdivision games and pools hasn't necessarily been very good for like 10 years either. Like there's not this like, boy, are we glad you're leaving? Uh, right. Uh, like that co- sort of underscored the fun uh, of what they were doing. It's like, we're so glad you're retiring because you kicked the shit out of us for 20 years. Here's a a bat or a, a chair made out of all the broken bats, you know? And so that just doesn't exist here. So all this, this would just be honoring, you know, one of the best players of all time, which is it's itself probably should be happening, but it, there's not that like rivalry element that I think some of those other teams were bringing to the table when they were, doing those sorts of things. And then also, if I remember correctly, a lot of that happened near the middle end of the season. Right. Um, and so I think like if teams are going to do that, they're doing that later, uh, you know, whenever the season is, maybe it's the last time the Cardinals are playing the Cubs or, you know, I know we just finished up the Mets series, but like, yeah, it just seems like that's more back half of season stuff when there's still so much baseball left to play. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right on. Um but yeah, I guess to summate that, you know, I, one one of the few times I've agreed with Manny Machado. <laughs> um, Derek Jeter, seventy three Fangraphs war. Um, Mariano Rivera is at thirty nine point one. So Pools is definitely oh, going to be less than that. But that is pretty close, though. It's uh, Pools is at. 86.8. Now this is Fangraphs war. He's much higher on baseball reference where he's at uh he keeps like touching and going above above and below the 100 war metric. So, you know, he's uh he's about 20 war below those two guys, but still that's two inner circle Hall of Famers <laughs> combined and he's not that far below right. that. So, um yeah, I hope something happens. I, I think it still will. And maybe through the hard work of Manny Machado, this will finally uh, happen. 
Um, let's talk about some broader news around the league. Uh, <laughs> something happened uh, just recently that I think you and I celebrated a lot. Um, and then something very similar, but just less funny happened. Uh, yeah. Joe Madden and Joe Girardi were both fired uh, after, you know, two season, two months into the season where both of their teams uh, are underperforming expectations. The Angels at one point were looking like the best team in the in the West, at least. And they've now lost 13 games in a row. Uh, and Joe Madden sort of shrugged his way through the whole season and <laughs> was fired for it. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, I heard uh, uh, Dave Schoenfield. He tweeted this earlier today. It is the first time that a team 10 games over 500 have gone on a losing streak of more than 10 games, um, yeah. which is incredible. That's like qu- quite a fall. Uh, before we dunk on Joe Madden, I do want to give him one thing, one point of credit, uh, and that is that I believe that the reason that we have the Shohei Otani that we have gotten to watch over the past two years is because of Joe Madden and him being kind of open to you know Otani kind of doing his own thing. That being said, yeah. he's really just not putting the reins on Otani. It's a hundred percent Otani's you know doing for being amazing, um, yeah. but just the fact that he gave him that freedom. And then I want to ask you another question. Is walking the bases, walking a batter with the bases loaded um, with the lead, a fireable offense in itself? I don't know that there's any one like on field decision you could make that is a fireable offense. Um, But if there is one, it's pretty close to that, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I I guess I'll I'll throw another question at you. Uh, Telling your uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, best player in baseball center fielder, that he'll be moving out of center field before the season starts and before having talking to him, saying that to the media. Is that a fireable offense? We're getting a lot closer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I think like, you know, most of these guys have been doing it for long enough that you don't normally get fired for one thing, but it's all of this stuff combined, right? Like he, he is just... He a, seems- to be on autopilot or something like what's the yeah. guy he, he he i think you could have argued 10 15 years ago maybe not even that long ago that joe had a bit of an edge to him he had you know we I, you and i don't do not find his brand of bullshit to be all that charming but other people were buying it for a while and, and it just seems like he was kind of phoning it in in his angels well, career i mean there's a time where i thought that you know joe madden was you know his Everyone, when he was with the Rays, uh, you know, he would he'd do the things that no one else would do. You know, he's that quirky. Oh, uh, he invited a clown to the dugout or whatever. You know, like there, there that, was definitely a magician in spring training one year. Yeah, like that sort of stuff. Um, that was, I think, during his Cubs time when he started to get particularly annoying. Um, but like there was a time where I, I distinctly was like the Cardinals should fire Mike Matheny, which yeah. that was not a unique thought. I was thinking that no. most of the time, <laughs> no. um, but, and go and get Joe Madden. He is the best manager in baseball. And I think that he should manage the Cardinals. And I'm glad that they did not. I think he is a turd. I think he's the definition of a turd. Uh, Blow hard. I, yeah. I think he's obnoxious. I've talked about it on the show before, but um, it was like when he was with the Cubs, it's a couple of years ago where the Cubs and Cardinals got into sort of a, you know, uh, uh, a beanball back and forth, you know, and, and 
Madden had called a couple of his own and it was just, it happens, you know, and uh, he was in a, a presser after the game and he started saying like, you know what I think it really comes down to is, is the character of the players and how they were raised. And, um, you know, I think we're starting to understand a little bit better about how some of these guys were raised. I'm just like, man, you are such a turd, you know? Um, and then, uh, he, I think he's lost it. I think that edge that he had that, uh, that willingness to, you know, make decisions that other people weren't like, I think the league is caught up, so he's not really uh, unique unique anymore, and so he's getting more and more extreme with that. Where he's like, "I'll, I'll be even well, more quirky, and I'll walk a guy with the bases loaded, and no one will see that coming." And it's like, "Yeah, Joe, because it's stupid." Uh, so I don't know. I it, I could rant about him for a while, but I'm glad he got yeah. fired. I think he I, sucks. Um, I think he got so. too much credit for the how the Rays do their business. Um, yeah, because you you watch the Rays are still cutting edge, and Kevin Cash is one of the better managers in baseball. But I, I think that the Rays built up his her, his little persona or the aura that was around him. Well, um, if you, and, I, I remember reporting at the time being like all of the man, all of the fans of other fan bases around the Rays were like, "No, Joe Madden sucks," yeah. and I always interpreted that as like. Well, they're just, you know, it's it's like the other team's manager. You don't like that person. But now after he's with the Cubs for so long, and it's like, no, Joe Madden does suck. It's like, I've never felt that way about an opposing team's manager uh, almost ever. I'm normally like, no. yeah, they seem like cool guys. You know, I just don't like the team they they play for, you know, that they manage. But it's like, ah, Joe Madden sucks. He is obnoxious. I have no problems with any of the managers in the NL Central right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we might criticize some of their, you know, decision making, but yeah. like that's what you do to managers, you right. know. But um, none of them are obnoxious like he is. So, anyway, I, you know, he'll probably he, you know, he uh, historic achievement with the Cubs. You know, he'll probably get another job somewhere. I but think I think the he's shine. Done. Yeah, you think so? He I might think just, he's done. He might just. He's sixty eight. Yeah, yeah. I think the I guy's know, done. Larusa's, 132 years old and he's still yeah, out there <laughs> maybe joe will make a handshake deal with an owner uh i guess i could yeah. see that happening like larusa but yeah he's done yeah. also uh not a hall of famer I, I i've heard some some chatter about that on twitter not a hall of famer mm, i don't know enough time the cubs thing that might be enough boo um i guess he's got moving manager on from, of the year a couple times yeah i, I don't Mo agree with it but like you know Winning well, it with I've, the Cubs is a big mm, one. Who cares? Yeah. He did one uh, he did one thing good once. Yeah. And really is, doesn't Jason Hayward get all the credit for that mid game speech? It's <laughs> a good point. That's really Hall what brought it together. Him. Yeah. Hall of Fame for him. Woo. Let's, dodged a bullet on that one. Let's move um, from one obnoxious Joe to another obnoxious Joe. Uh Joe Girardi also got fired this week. Um I find Joe to be obnoxious in a different way. Like the fact that he'll like lie to the press about uh, injuries and who's starting that day. And he'll do just like these little tricky things to get a slight edge. Um, some of the reports I was reading is that he is just a guy that pushes people and pushes people and pushes people. Um, and my understanding is the guy, the interim manager, whose name I didn't write down, um, is a very laid back. So, you know, it's not surprising that the Phillies have kind of bounced back a little bit already. Um, I guess, I don't know what I, the thing with both of these teams, and we were kind of talking about this in uh, our, our chat, um, is that like the Phillies are very flawed and the Angels are very flawed. The Angels can kind of get away with it because they have two of the best players in baseball. 
The Phillies have one of the best players in baseball, but these teams are flawed. This isn't really going to change the trajectory in my point of view for either team. Um, I could see the Phillies playing slightly better and I could see it not making a difference for the Angels. It's not like Otani is going to unlock something new now that Joe's gone. Yeah. And actually, Trout just went on the IL, so we'll see what happens there. Well, most of the time, I mean, you know, we we can hate on both of these guys, but most yeah. of the time managers are fired because of poor performance of their team, which we all also know that like the manager is a very small percentage of that. Right. And like the ownership groups need a scapegoat and they let guys go. And unless you're someone like Mike Matheny, you know, probably you were doing fine and right. you just have been let go for like ceremonial purposes. I mean, most managers and most teams are frequently moving around managers. You know, we, we have like a sort of a, um, an alt as, as Cardinal fans, like our perception on managers, I think is, is skewed because of the, the team has clearly made a commitment to like, uh, they really don't like to change managers unless absolutely have to, you know, well, it's, it's been we, a little we, different the last couple of years, but like, you, you really don't see much mid season anymore. That used to be more yeah. of a thing. And, you really yeah. don't, see, especially before even the all-star break this early in the season. Yeah. Hard to remember the last time that's happened. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty surprising, but um, yeah, I, like you said, I don't expect a significant turnaround for either of these teams. Like we've been making fun of the Phillies all year for, yeah. <laughs> for making a roster full of, so, uh, of designated hitters and <laughs> bold brand of baseball there in Philly. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we'll see. So um, let's go to our, our last two quick topics here. Um, you know, uh, you know, who is doing really, really well is Aaron Judge. We talked a lot about his offseason decision yeah. to uh, forego a almost $300 million contract. Everyone kind of called him stupid for it, ourselves included. The Yankees were basically like, look at this dumb dumb. They did something no one ever does, which is expose the exact details of the contract they offered him that he declined. And we all said... Aaron Judge, you are a crazy person for doing this. Uh, well, I don't know if he'll uh, still get a better <laughs> contract offer than he had last season because it was a very good one. But he's certainly doing exactly what he hoped he would be doing this yeah. season. Uh, he's on pace for over 60 home runs this season. Yeah, and I guess I want to ask you, because of the Maguire and the Bonds and the Sosa of the whole situation, if he breaks the OG record, if he, if he hits 61 plus, are you going to be locked into that as the season winds down? Is that going to be something that you would find yourself excited about? Or yeah. are you kind of like, eh, this record's all messed up. I don't know what to think about this. Um, kind of both, you know, yeah. like I, I am a, um, I don't know. It's a word. What's the word for this? I was going to say steroid apologist, but that's not, how I really feel, but I think like I, I'm more of the type of the records record. They yeah. should be in the hall of fame, like, you know, whatever asterisks, whatever, like, but it, it is what it is. Uh, and that's truly how I feel. Um, but th- it also would be an incredible accomplishment for someone in, especially this season with right. all of the dead ball talk and everything for someone to get even close to 62. Um, and so, I would not be, I, I guarantee you there will be a camp of people saying he's the real record holder, you know, yeah. if, if he does do it, I will not be on that camp, but I would be, I do think it would be a very, very good and, and cool story um, 
for uh for for baseball for someone to to do it again and do it in what we assume he you know he no reason to believe he's not 100 percent clean he's just a monster <laughs> yeah like you look at the guy and yeah you're yeah. just made to hit the ball over the wall um and i think like with the deadening of the ball his ability is shining even more because he is just yeah. wiping the floor as far as the home runs go yeah, and i'll say i think you know we'll see how the summer goes and everything like that but i think that this is something you know once it starts to get close if it starts to get close if he can stay healthy all those ifs i think i'll be pretty keyed into this i think i'm kind of excited about the potential of of getting those gaudy home run numbers again yeah. like if there is anyone in baseball it's either him or Giancarlo that can do it um because yep. those guys I, I they are unmatched in their power so yeah i, I kind of yeah. i'm hoping for it i think it'd be a lot of fun and then uh you know seeing a home uh home run champion with asterisks or whatever whatever you want to call whatever he ends up doing uh go out in the free agent market will be pretty exciting and can't wait to see <laughs> yeah. him in cardinal red next year yeah, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> certainly that'll be where he lands yeah um yeah we'll see um and then finally our uh our old friend uh trevor rosenthal is out there uh trying out for teams i think it's interesting guys throwing hard cardinals could use pitching i don't know bring the kid back he's not a kid he's like <laughs> our age but I don't yeah know. i'd like yeah. I, I wouldn't mind the cardinals taking a flyer on him we could always use a guy in 98 in the in the in the bullpen he, he looked good before his injury like a year and a half ago or whatever yeah. so um yeah why not familiar face um well, speaking of uh, of closers, Ben, I've got a I've got a new game for us uh, this week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, first off, I want to thank Cardinal Seventy from the Bird Scored uh, for the idea of this, and I'm going to use the name he uh, suggested as well. And we're calling this game Chain of Events. Okay. So, I. Uh, we've talked a little bit about, uh, you know, Wayno and Yachty and, and their, um, how much they've stuck in the position. And you've really had no doubt on uh, the Cardinals for the last 20 years, who's the catcher and who's, sure. uh, the starting pitcher, but that's not usually how baseball go, right? Usually, uh, you have quite a, um, you know, rotation of guys going through these different positions. And uh, the idea of this game is I've selected a position and we're going to go back to an arbitrary date of time. And you need to tell me who was filling this position primarily during this year. Okay. All right. Does that make sense? Yes. So I feel uh, confident. Well, I've tried to make it simple, um, but I'm using I realize a lot of our games, we've been doing a lot of position players. Yeah. Not this time. We are talking about the closer. So how do you measure a closer? Well, you know, there's, I think the simplest way to put this was who led the team in saves. Okay. Okay. So we're going to go. There's been a lot of names. (laughs) I know. Right. So, um, we're going to go back. Mm hmm all the way back to the ancient time of 2004. Ooh, okay. okay. Yes. And you're going to guess who led the team in saves that year. Uh, and if you get it right, you'll get our familiar uh, crowd cheering. And uh, if you get it wrong, you're going to get our classic, uh, your out sound. Okay. Uh, Wait, hold on just a second. Okay. 
there you go. <laughs> okay. Um, you have too much fun with these. <laughs> <laughs> if you get it wrong, I will tell you who it is and we will go to the next year. Deal. Okay. So I think the challenge here is that we've had some stalwart closers that have gone for yeah. multiple years knowing when they switched. And then uh, we've had a bit of a turbulent uh, ride at closer for a while now, too. So, there are some no names in here that I am going to really have a hard time with. I yep. feel very good about the first one, though. All right. 2004. Who you got? Izzy, right? It's got to yep. be Jason Isringhausen. I, I, he is burned into my brain. <laughs> yep. Jason Isringhausen. 2004. 47 saves. Not bad. Uh, 2005. 2005. Um, I would guess it was still Izzy. Yep. Still Izzy. Uh, 39 saves. Okay. 2006. I'm going to, I, I think it was Izzy again. I want to say, I don't know if this is, I might be breaking the game, but I'm, I think that he was the closer, closer until 2007. Um, Okay, so your guess for 2006 is Jason Isringhausen, yes. which is correct. And yes. we'll just keep this writing. Yep, you got it. 2007, he was okay. also the closer. He had 33 saves in 2006 and 32 saves in 2007. Okay. We are now at 2008. Now this, I'm very positive because I'm trying to, so I'm just going to walk you the everyone through what I'm thinking. So 2006, um, he was ineffective or maybe injured at the end of the year. That's why Wayno was closing out that world series or closing out, uh, the playoff run and the, uh, in the playoffs and, and in the world series. And then he came back and was very bad. And then I believe the next year he lost his closing role. And I, want to say that Ryan Franklin was the one who stole the job from him. Oh my goodness. Okay, that felt good. I was unsure if you'd get that transition because Ryan Franklin had 17 saves that year. Okay. Uh, and so that is when he uh, took the job. And I think, I, I don't have it written down, but when I was doing the research, Isringhausen had like 14 or something that year. Like it was really yeah. close. It was definitely okay. a transition year. So I want to say Franklin had it that year, and then he had it the next year. Okay, uh, so, so 2009 and 2010, you're saying Ryan Franklin. Yes. Crushing it so far. So in 2009, Ryan Franklin had 38 saves. and 2010, Ryan Franklin had 27. Yes. Now, okay. 2011, who led the team in saves? Oh my goodness. Um I don't it wasn't Ryan Franklin anymore. I don't think. I want oh my god. I, I wanna say I wanna say Oh man. Um Ra, oh, wait, 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 wait. I was gonna say Russ Springer, but I think Oh Jason Mott uh Crap. I'm going to say Jason Mott. You're out! Oh, damn it. Uh, in 2011, Fernando Salas. Oh. 24 saves. He had a great year that year. He did. Wow, totally spaced on Salas. Yep. 
This is where it's getting trickier. Yeah. You got one out. Uh, okay. 2012. 2012. So Mott must have been gone at that point. This was... I know Bud Norris is in the mix somewhere, but I don't think he's there yet. Obviously, Giovanni's not there yet. Russ Springer, I know, got some saves. Oh, my goodness. Trevor Rosenthal was not here yet either. Um, I don't think. I'm going to... I'm going to say Russ Springer. You're out! Damn it. So this was this was the big uh, Jason Mott year. That, damn it. <laughs> Uh, he had forty-two uh, that was saves. Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, so, my timing is all messed up now. Yeah, you've you've got two outs. I knew this would be the turbulent part of it. Although, uh, even well, I don't I don't want to spoil anything. So, uh, two thousand thirteen. I am going to again guess. Uh, I, now I'm worried that Russ Springer is not in the conversation because um, <laughs> I know like Rosie shows up around this time um, as memory serves, at least um, I'm going to kick Russ Springer to the curb and I'm going to go with uh, Rosenthal. You're Damn it, <laughs> man. What a, what a collapse after a great, uh, after a great start uh, missed three in a row. And I don't, but this is the one that I actually was like, I don't think you're going to get, Yeah, but he did have 37 saves. So it wasn't, uh, you know, he was the closer for a lot of the season. Edward Mujica. Oh, yes. He had that crazy uh, changeup that would move yep. like 12 inches the last second. Yeah, forgot about that. And I think he went to Boston or something. Okay. When yeah. did Rosenthal right. come in? Do you have that? So I was I'll Springer the... on the list. No, Answer Springer me. was not on the list. <laughs> when did you Bud were, Norris come in? <laughs> you were very close to getting back into names that you clearly know. Yeah. Um, so uh, Trevor Rosenthal led the team in 2014 and 2015 oh, with man. 45 and 48, respectively. Yeah. Then final boss himself showed up, Sungwon Oh. Oh, my God. I, I, Sungwon um, wasn't even in my... He got in my radar. Uh, yeah, he led in 2016 and 2017 with 19 and 20, uh, respectively. So mm-hmm. you know there was definitely a a bit of a, a, a committee. 2018 Cardinal Killer Legend Bud Norris, 28 saves. Bud Chuck Norris. Yep. 2019 Carlos Martinez, uh, with 24. 2020 Giovanni, right? Well, 2020, Andrew Miller and Gallegos tied with four. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. it was the Weird shortened year. season. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then uh, I'll give you another guess. Last year, who led? Uh, Giovanni. Alex Reyes. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah! Turn off the episode. <laughs> Turn off. <laughs> I knew that. We talked about his all-star run last week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. my goodness. All right. Well, uh, wow. I mean, you well, were you you showed up, which is usually what they say. That's the hardest part of the game is showing up. So yeah, yeah. yeah if you if you can't be smart, you better be lucky. <laughs> if you're stupid and unlucky, then I guess you're me. Then, then that's the Vin Samorka experience. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's embarrassing. Uh, let's edit this whole thing. Let's shelve this episode. I'm done. Yeah. No, it's. I mean, that's tough though. Like. Uh, I did not expect you to get Mahika. I didn't expect you to get Salas. 
I thought you would get Mott. You guessed like Mott before and after his actual yeah. season that he did well. Um, and then, you know. Why did I have just, Russ Springer stuck in my head there? He never, I don't know what I was thinking there. Well, I don't know. I mean, I can, uh, I, I, he was definitely, you know, a reliever for the Cardinals. And yeah, he got in 07 and 08. He did not have a single save. His career game saved was nine. I was, I was in nowheresville populated by me. Um, I'm an idiot. So he got one in 2009, but I, I don't yeah. think that was with the Cardinals. Yeah. One with Tampa Bay. Yep. I was wrong. Russ Springer sucks. Uh, I suck worse. <laughs> um, yeah, you got yeah. yourself in the Russ Springer hole. Really did. Why? Only you and your God can know that. <laughs> in my defense, I swear it's harder uh, in my shoes than it is yours. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just complaining. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, you know, mediocre effort at best. But thanks. Hey, um, that was Chain of Events. Again, thank you at Cardinal70 for your suggestion. That was fun. We'll do that again with different different versions, different timelines and whatnot. Um, if you have an idea for the for a game for us to play, tweet us at Talk About Birds or consider joining the Birds Gord at patreon.com slash talking about birds. Uh, we'll wish the Cardinals good luck at the rest of this uh, series against Tampa. We will be back next week as always with another set of Talking About Birds on Thursday. Uh, and until then, go Cardinals. Jack Hood.